0: Hello and welcome to another episode of The Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Bellotti. And today I am really excited to have a friend, Connor Gross, here on the podcast. Connor is a co-founder at Respo Collection. He is a serial entrepreneur, started a bunch of projects, businesses, sold one for a whole bunch of money. And today, so he focuses mainly in e-commerce stuff, as well as some other things. But today we're going to focus on e-commerce. And we're going to talk about like strategies from top to bottom, how you can launch, run, and improve and grow any sort of e-commerce thing that you got going on, whether it's your business, or maybe you're thinking about starting something on the side. So Connor, thank you so much for joining the podcast.
1: Matt, it's a pleasure to be on. And I'm excited to be on specifically during this time of the year too. You kind of caught us in the like the playoffs for e-commerce, right? If if the playoffs and the Super Bowl and stuff like that are coming up, we've got Black Friday and Cyber Monday just around the corner. So like, I am full heads down at this point, kind of running through everything that we're about to chat about. Love that. Trying
0: to figure out how you capitalize on it the most.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I had a call earlier on today with a couple of different entrepreneurs, and they're all in the e-commerce space, pretty similar industry. And they're, I was like, honestly, guys, like you don't share the number, but like, give me a percentage. Like, what percentage of your revenue for the year are you making in the next month? And they're like, oh, easily over fifty percent. I was like, wow, that's scary. So I think right now, and I'm starting to see it on our own sales numbers too. They're really starting to ramp up. I think people are spending a lot more right now, and so. If you're running an e-commerce store at the moment, you've got a really fun next thirty to sixty days. That is awesome.
0: I love that. so why don't why don't we just give folks? I mean, I gave you a quick intro on you. Why don't you like fill in gaps on things that people might want to know about you before you jump in?
1: Yeah, hundred percent. so really, it can be summarized down in like a minute or so. I graduated from school about eighteen months ago. so back in 2020, my co-founder and I we started an e-commerce business in the Amazon space. Back when we were in college, it was all cell phone accessories. A company called Cardly, which is like stick-on card holders for the back of your phone. We scaled that up to doing a little over a million a year and sold it shortly before graduating college. Since then, now we've bought two other e-commerce businesses, and then myself and my other partner Nick, we have now started two other e-commerce businesses as well. So a total of like four brands really at the moment, and they're all off Amazon. I've run played the Amazon game for a long time and quickly realized. It might be a race to the bottom. And I think a lot of people might disagree with me on that. But just from experience, it's it's a lot of trials and tribulation. And being able to do your own marketing, own your own customer experience, all of that kind of stuff is a lot more fun for me now. So I'm running Respoke Collection, which is an automotive artwork brand that lets you go and decorate your garage, office, living room, whatever, with really high-end quality automotive decor. We just launched a boat version of Respoke as well just the other week that we're starting to get off the ground too. And I run a couple of digital product businesses in the photography space and tiny house space that we do some e-commerce stuff for
0: as well. Love it. So you've gone through these cycles a few times now, building and launching and running e-commerce companies. So we're going to talk about like top of funnel stuff, middle of funnel stuff, bottom of the funnel stuff. So why don't we just start at the top? How do you think about top of funnel? How do you think about driving awareness? And then we can talk about some like strategies and tactics that work for.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's probably easier just to like, set the scene for anyone listening to this right now. There are only... Well, again, I'm oversimplifying things. But there are only really 3 important metrics that you ever have to think about when e-commerce. If any of these metrics are zero, you are in big trouble. And the goal is to try to make these, met- these numbers as high as possible. So the metrics really are broken down into traffic, times that by your conversion rate, times that by your average order value. And that gives you everything you need to know about e-commerce. So when you hear people talking in e-commerce about growing their sales or you know really scaling up their business, their overall goal is to increase one of those three numbers. And usually a lot of the times it tends to be the traffic, and then you optimize things with the conversion rate and the average order value. But starting at the top of the funnel, like that's all about traffic. How do you get people to your store? Really, for anyone listening to this right now, if you ever watch anything e-commerce related, you're gonna say it's just Facebook ads, like plain and simple. That's pretty much the way that 95% plus of e-commerce store owners and operators tend to go and get people to their stores. And with how everything's been going with iOS 14 and all the updates that Apple has rolled out over the past couple of weeks, there's definitely been a big shift in that landscape. But I'm um, firsthand to be able to tell you like it still definitely works off Shadow with enough e-commerce operators who know that you can still be profitable off that first sale. It's just a lot tougher these days. And so the way I typically go and think about top of the funnel Getting people to the store is from most of the brands I start, I try to go and just start with the Facebook ads right away and build everything else in the back end. And the other ways are really aside from the ads, like influencers and a lot more like organic stuff, whether that's like SEO-focused content or finding ways to go and give out ebooks, things like that as well to kind of scale up the brand. But on the ad side specifically, the main 3 things that I focus on are just regular ads. So that's usually overall lookalike audiences based on who I've been sold- selling to in the past. And I'll try to go and scale those out with a couple different types of ad creative. The ones that you know we kind of always joke about in e-commerce that are typically most effective are just UGC ads. So those are user-generated content. And the way I like to think about that is like I have literally chatted with people before who spent twenty thousand dollars on making like a super highly edited, really quick cut, like kind of advertisement film that does not convert. And then you shout out another person who's like, Oh no, man, like, I just took a video of like, my dog wearing like, this leash that I'm trying to sell on my iPhone. And I just made like $100,000 last week. And so like, the thing I would say the most is when you're making this kind of creative that you're running ads on, is you don't want it to look overly edited to the point where people are going to scroll in their timeline and see, That's an ad. Let me skip that. And so what I've seen personally, and if we want to kind of dive into like the actual details of the creative is the things that work best, really three things. One, get something that's going to capture their attention right away. If you want specific examples of this, go to the Facebook ad library and you can search up any brand and see any ad they're running. The one that I always kind of reference is like, a, I think it's called Dr. Sasquatch or something like that. It's like a men's like soap, yeah, company. soap company. Yeah, and like they have some ridiculous catchphrases that like as you're scrolling down, you instantly stop because you're like, that's too ridiculous of a thing to say. Like, well, who is this company? And then they get into the whole pitch. It's about 10, 15 seconds of like, oh, cool, now that we got your attention, we're selling soap. Here's why our soap is so great, whatever. And then at the end, the thing I always recommend is always have some kind of offer. Even if it's like, you know, free shipping or shop now and save 10% or like buy it before the end of the month and like join our VIP list, whatever it is, like have a reason for them to go and click your ad. That way they can actually go and get on that product page. So that's the first one. And then the other two ways... From an ad standpoint specifically, really you're seeing a higher returns all on the retargeting front. You're re-hitting people who have either clicked your ad before or visited your website in some capacity using the Facebook pixel there. And the last way, you know, not to go too much of a tangent here with the ad stuff, but the last way that I've actually heard a lot of people using it, I personally have not tried it enough yet. But if you ever see things like... Um, the one I get a lot in my timeline is advertisements from Kevin Hart promoting a company called Fabletics, which is like, I think, a Lululemon competitor a lot more brands these days are starting to partner with celebrities and influencers to actually white label their ads and sell their products through their accounts. So like a typical example, like I said, this Kevin Hart one, I know The Rock does it as well. Where you'll literally see a, an ad in your timeline that says from The Rock, and then you'll see like paid partnerships with like cuts or like, you know, some clothing apparel company. And those actually convert extremely well because it kind of builds up trust right away with that audience.
0: So when... People are thinking about getting started or doubling down on on things. Were there, aside from spending tons of money on creative that probably could be done with like a hundredth of the cost, were there other things that you have seen or you have done where you just like dumped the money into it where you just wish that you like if you, you know, next time you did it, you were like that, that was a waste of money. I'm absolutely not doing that sort of thing again.
1: Yeah, I would say be very careful on how you scale ad spend. We've gone like we've chatted with some people before who are like, nope, we actually weren't able to see a real profit level until we started spending five thousand dollars a day because that's when Facebook became really, you know, effective at targeting. And so we were like, Oh, cool, let's ramp up our like thousand dollar ad budget a day to like five thousand a day to see what happens. And we just burned like thousands of dollars like in a week and we were just like, Okay, let's go and scale this back down. So what I would say is when you are targeting the typical rule of thumb is about 20% a week and when i say typical rule of thumb like there's no golden answer to any of this kind of stuff every brand's going to work differently but i would be very skeptical on just just raising ad spend to just raise ad spend i think you have to be a little bit more strategic about it the other thing i would also add is that i've chatted with a couple brands now at this point who only have one winning ad when i say one winning ad i mean like they've run this ad for 4 years and all the way back in 2017 to all the way today in 2021 it's still their best performer but what they all say is like they tested 100 different ads before then and they've tested 100 different ads since then and like something about just this one ad really clicks with people's mind and like makes them understand the product and resonate with it and like stop on their feed to go and check it out so the only other thing i would say here really is like keep on testing ads even if you think you have like a slight winner keep on testing more until you eventually you'll find that one it just outperforms all of the other ones by 10x.
0: But then don't get complacent with the fact that that one performs well. Still exactly the time. Yeah.
1: Always keep testing it. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's one of the things that we do if we kind of want to move down into like the middle of the funnel now is one of the things that we start testing now is we actually have like an email that goes out after any customer has gone on purchase in the past where we say like, hey, can we give you a refund in the subject line? It's got a ridiculously high open rate, like 60-70%. And the email is basically a plain text email being like, Hey, you know, we would love it if we can give you a 15% refund on your order, which is like super effective, especially comparative to a coupon code. Say all you have to do is send us a photo back of you holding up our product or using our product, whatever. And we have a decent amount of people who do it. And then we take all of that material and just funnel it right back into our, into our ad creative, which has been a really effective way to kind of lower that cost per acquisition. Because if you're trying to go and buy a product and all you see are like so many different ads of hundreds of people constantly about like using that product that you want to buy. Psychologically, you're like, okay, if they're all doing it, I should probably do it too. This isn't just like gimmicky marketing, like people are actually buying this kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, I absolutely love this tactic so much. And it it spans... like I, I could think about how it spans the different industry, industries and use cases, right? You are reaching out to your current customers, offering them some of their money back if... They basically like do the marketing for you. Exactly. Why do you think that that's so much more effective than, I don't know, any other way that you can get creative and add content?
1: Well, the way I like to think about it is like, okay, I can go pay somebody on Upwork $400 and they can make me you know, a custom graphic or whatever like that. Or if my average order value is $100 and I give back $15, like it's like a 20th of the cost essentially of being able to go and actually scale up that creative. So you're paying next to nothing of what you would normally pay. And I also think for a lot of people, the idea of a refund versus a discount on a future purchase is way more powerful because they're like, well, I already spent that money, but now I can get that money back. I think that's why our open rate is so high and why so many people tend to go and go for that offer.
0: Yeah. I love that one. Anything else around the top of funnel acquisition stuff that you want to cover before we jump to the middle?
1: The only thing I would also say is like there are a lot of friends that I have who are making a ton of money on ads, and it's their bread and butter, and they're killing it. But just as we've seen in this last quarter, that Facebook ads suddenly start getting a lot of really messed up. It's not going to be around forever, and the algorithms can change. The way that you can target people can change. And so, one of the things that a lot of my friends tend to go and do now, like I've got a buddy who runs uh, lunch pack, like festival backpacks and all that kind of stuff. And his entire top of the funnel strategy is entirely centered around building community at the top, where he'll go and like any festival he'll go and sponsor, and he'll get ambassadors who are like all wearing his merchandise and products at these festivals. And this is like his main sales channel because though we can't maybe attribute it so much that like Izu was the one that drove, you know, this $10,000 for the sales. It's very obvious to him that he's got this huge ambassador program that they all promoted through their channels. So all I would say is, while Facebook ads might be one of the easiest and quickest ways to get up and running, make sure that you're investing in other channels, whether that's organic, ambassadors, influencers, whatever else, to make sure that you're not relying on just one main source of revenue.
0: Yeah. And I think this kind of ties back to your earlier point that like, Amazon is a race to the bottom. But if you can build your own brand and a community around that, you can have even greater levels of success. You could command a higher price point and all that.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. All right. Middle of
0: funnel. How do you think about the
1: middle of funnel? So, middle of funnel is almost exactly what you just said, where we're like, if, if one is a race to the bottom, how can you own your own audience? And middle of the funnel, the way I'd like to think about it is a lot about conversion stuff. So, it's going to be your on-site tactics. It's going to be how can you create as little friction as possible on your landing pages to get somebody to go and purchase? How can you go and add more testimonial support on your copy and on your landing pages to get people to convert? But the biggest thing overall is really email and text. So two providers that we've set up and started using for these guys. For email, we use all Klaviyo for text. We use all, all attentive. And basically, what we'll do is we'll just set up a bunch of flows and campaigns so that way, whether you're abandoning cart or just signing up through a pop-up on our site, we now have you in a funnel. And I think for a lot of people who aren't in e-commerce, they'll probably hear the word pop-up and think like, uh, "Like, those are the annoying things that I dismissed when I'm like on a site." For e-commerce, you need it. Like, it's it's not even a question of should you have it. It's more of a question for like where should you have it on your site? Because the fact of the matter is, unless you're selling on Black Friday, Cyber Monday, most of the traffic to your store. Is not going to convert. Like the average store conversion rate on an e-commerce store is about 2%, which means a hundred people come and knock on your door, take a look inside, and 98 of them leave. And if you're not capturing their email, or you're not capturing their phone number, it's really impossible to make money, I would say, or at least very, very difficult. And so the way I typically think about conversion is get them into either a funnel where you've got you know seven to eight emails laid out. Either with an offer, your story, a couple of different products they might have not seen on your site, and kind of try to drive conversion that way, or do the same thing through text messages and one-off messages where you can kind of go and start promoting your stuff a little bit more.
0: And how do you think about, you're just talking about pop-ups being like a requirement, essentially? How do you think about the I give you X for your email? Like a discount code or a, you know, percentage code, dollar off, whatever else it might be, free X? In your cart, like, how do you think about the different versions of what you can offer to a visitor?
1: So you definitely have to test it. I think a lot of brands these days default to doing, "Hey, here's ten or fifteen percent off," and I get your email as as a result. But now you're starting to see a lot more brands as well turn around and say, "No, we don't want to be a discount brand. We want to be a premium product. We don't want to go and like just shave off bucks to get an email." Right. So if you want to start looking to some alternatives on how you can go and do that, I think a really popular one that we've started using as well is a get X when you buy Y if you give us your email, right? And so let's say that you're selling... uh, I'm trying to give a good example here. I mean, The example I gave you on the call yesterday was water bottles, right? It's like, let's say, hey, whenever you buy a water bottle, you'll get a free lid included. And so that can be like an easy way to go and get people's emails, especially if that accessory that you're adding onto their purchase is low cost to you, but high perceived value for them. That's kind of like the real sweet spot that you want to find for that. But I've also seen a lot of Companies start to go and do other things. So one company that I've seen that I kind of look up to a lot, especially because they're in the home decor space, is something called House of Spoils. So they do a lot of really cool modern like artwork for your walls. and the way that they do theirs is, is it's a membership. they call it. They say like hey, join our membership. here's what happens when you join our membership. One, you get free shipping. Two, you get membership reduced pricing. So, like that's an interesting way of phrasing the discount, right? It's not, hey, you don't get a discount; you get membership pricing, right? And then the third thing that they do is early access to exclusive drops because since they are a home decor product, they typically come out with a lot more photography and stuff like that over the months and weeks. So, you get early access to that, which is just an easier way of them saying, like, cool, now we have a pre-sale for you know the rest of our products coming out. So, I really like that position a lot of, of calling it a membership.
0: Yeah, I I think the membership thing is huge because you're also driving, you're driving like this sense of of ownership. Like I am a member, right? I recently became a member of the company Italic. They do like high-end manufactured goods. And so I became a member, which comes with its own, like, you know, like you were saying, early access to stuff. I get credits each quarter that I could spend on it. But now it's because I'm a member. I just think about it like, oh, we need a new comforter for the bed. Let me go check Italic. Right, It becomes the place I go to versus if I just got 15% off of that jacket that I bought in the first place. And Italic
1: is a great example because they're basically building like the Costco V internet, I think, but like a, maybe a little bit more high-end version, I think. But do you pay for the membership there?
0: Yeah. The membership, the way... I know they've tried a lot of different versions of the membership over the years. The current membership is it's $60 a year, but each quarter you get $30 in credits. So I give them 60 upfront and then I get $120 to spend over the course of the year.
1: That's actually really interesting because then f- from their standpoint, that's the equivalent of saying, hey, here's our 10% off flash sale once a quarter or whatever it is. It's this, it, from, I'm sure they did a math where it's like, we're losing the same amount of money. But from a, from a membership standpoint, it's like psychologically a lot easier to understand. I know, um, I think that there's another company that does a very similar thing, That now I'm totally blanking on the name actually.
0: Yeah, that's all good. Yeah, and I think it's also such a good move because it creates this forcing function where now I'm basically going to buy something from them minimum once per quarter, and the, my cart value is always going to be more than thirty dollars. So they're just they're getting revenue from me essentially right. no matter what.
1: Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, the company I was just thinking of isn't even an e-commerce business. It's the uh, credit card companies. Uh, Do you have a Chase Sapphire or anything like that? Yes, I do. Yeah. It's like, okay, $550 a year, but we'll give $300 in free credits. And you're like, okay, I guess it makes it not as bad. And like, obviously, I'm going to travel for $300 or whatever like that. But yeah, I completely agree. If you can make it a membership thing, even if it's not like a paid membership, like House of Spoils is doing. If you say like as a membership, you get $60 in credits every year. That's super easy. And, and, and you feel guilty
0: for not using it as well. Right. Right. Because I've, I've given an upfront upfront commitment that I'm a member, whether that's a dollar commitment or not.
1: I would just say like, if you got to make sure that you're capturing this kind of stuff, because even if you're thinking about the end of your e-commerce business and what the goal is, if your goal is to sell, if your goal is to hold it, whatever, whatever it is, the more phone numbers, the more emails that you can have, it just becomes a bigger asset. And
0: over the years, it just becomes more and more valuable. All right, let's hop to bottom of the funnel. How do you think about bottom of the funnel? You know, driving cart size, repeat purchase, all that. So for us, the biggest one is like we're, we typically tend
1: to be a one-off buy. Customers aren't coming back and purchasing a ton of stuff. At least for our product, typically in e-commerce, you can either play the LTV game, the lifetime value game, where you're selling like a food and beverage product and you want to go and focus on that second and third order as much as possible, or you're playing the AOV game. Or the average order value game, which is basically, they're probably going to buy from us once, let's make sure we get as much as we can out of it on that first order. And so for us, we're the AOV game. And what we typically go and do is we'll have as much cross selling as possible on before the actual checkout. So like if they're buying a portrait, we'll say like, fantastic, do you want a digital download of this as well? Oh, no, do you want your order to be rushed for an extra $9.99? Oh no, do you want like a you know a mug or something like that that can go with it? And we'll try to go and get a lot of accessories on there as well. The important part of this is that you don't want to add too much friction to the actual buying process, that it hurts conversion rate. So I want to make sure you test it a lot. And if you want to go and find like the easiest way, in my opinion, to increase your average order value that will not impact the conversion rate at all, is through post-purchase upsell apps. And the one that I use today, at least, is called One Click Upsell by Zipify. And so what it is and how it works is that basically, they'll go, they'll complete the purchase, and they'll check out 16-digit credit card number, press buy now, great, the credit card just went through. Now, from Shopify standpoint, the order's actually on hold because now they see another page where it says, fantastic, you bought this, just as a heads up, 56% of the customers who bought that also bought this, do you want to add this to your cart, right? And we'll have like a 20% opt-in rate there as well or something like that. And that's a really easy way to go and increase your average order value as well because that way you know that you're not going to sacrifice any orders in the process because it's still super low friction to check out. But they're spending more at the end of the day because
0: you have that upsell option at the end. Right. And you you get the momentum of, I'm in the mode. I'm here buying something. Like, I, I just spent $120. What's another $15 accessory on top of it?
1: Right. And like, the, way, the way to think about that too is like, think about it when you go to a restaurant and especially well specifically for American listeners here right now, you go to a restaurant, you see a hundred dollar steak, fantastic. You eat that hundred dollar steak, you order it, whatever, and now you're finishing paying. You're paying $120 because you're tipping that 20%, but psychologically you never think that it's a hundred and twenty dollar steak, even though it is the entire time. It's the same way with this post-purchase upsell stuff. You have a hundred dollar cart value, fantastic. I checked out. Oh, this thing's only an extra twenty dollars? Cool, I'll add that on. Now you're not thinking about the 120. You're just thinking about two separate transactions. And it typically tends to go and convert a little bit better.
0: Yeah, totally makes sense. Any other bottom of the funnel things you want to touch on?
1: The only other things I would say is like, if you kind of take it back to the middle of the funnel stuff, if you are playing that repeat purchase game, I would definitely recommend to set up as many customer win back emails as possible. So just checking in on them after they've received the order, you know, maybe setting a reminder. Like I know I bought, I think, magic spoon cereal a couple months back, fine cereal, you know, say what you want about the product. But now all I do is I get emails back from them about like, Hey, it looks like you're probably out of stock at this point. Like, do you want to go and refill? Like here's $10 off if you refill today. So I think it's also important there to make sure
0: that you're bringing them back if you are playing that LTV game. Right. And that doesn't cost anything as the company to start sending all that stuff.
1: Right. And especially like if you're running Facebook ads for your main acquisition channel, you know, call whatever you want $20, $30 to go and acquire a customer. Now that second purchase is just all margin. It's just your product costs, right? You know, you have your overhead, which might be like some software and things like that, but like it's just real much higher margin for that second purchase.
0: Yeah. Totally makes sense. All right. We've gone through top, middle, bottom of the funnel anything that kind of crosses all of those or is outside of that that you want to make sure to touch on to to give folks context on things that they can either like action immediately or think about how it can transfer out to whatever other industry or company type that they're at
1: i think like really the main things are like traffic times conversion times aov is how you're going to go and make money in e-commerce like there's a million tactics and hacks that you can go and use along the way. And I feel like really for today's episode I wanted to just cover the fundamentals of what to do. But like if you're looking for interesting ways that other customers or other companies are going and running promotions or giving offers or running their email flow, like you can see just from today's call like I've gone down enough e-commerce companies funnels at this point to kind of get a better understanding as to what works and doesn't. So if you really want to go and take this to the next level, what I would do is find companies that look like they're crushing it. You know, Matt and I have a mutual friend, Neil, who all he does is just signs up for company updates. So I I can only imagine what his inbox must look like. But that's at this point what I've done too at this point. And so what I'll do is I'll give my email, give my phone number to whoever wants it solely for inspiration and just kind of start going out that rabbit hole of buying random products and giving your email and phone number away and then start building up your own personal swipe file. So when you're eventually launching your own brand or running your own company, you can have a huge swipe file to start pulling from.
0: Well, Connor, thank you so much for joining, sharing what you've learned over the years. This is good stuff. I mean, I don't work in e-commerce, but there are plenty of things that I can take from this that uh, I can figure out how I can slot in those strategies and tactics to stuff I'm doing day to day. And I'm sure many listeners and viewers have thought the same. Yeah, man. Thanks so much for having me on. Absolutely. All right. For all of you listening, thank you so much for spending your time listening here. A couple quick things. One, if you're a fan of this episode, hit the subscribe button. Check out the library of other amazing, amazing people. So those are great conversations. Check those out. If you're a fan, leaving a review, a written review, especially would mean quite a lot. We also have an upcoming Rev Growth for Drift. So that is one of our all virtual events. It is December 2nd, it's all about aligning sales and marketing teams to work together, drive pipeline for your business. It is free to attend and the link to register is drift.com slash events slash rev dash align. I will put the link in the show notes as well. And that will be much easier for you than trying to type out what I just said. So thank you again for listening. I know There's so many things you could spend your time on working on listening to watching whatever it might be and you're spending it here. It means quite a lot. My email is mattadrift.com I'm happy to hear any feedback, topic ideas, speaker, whatever it might be. Send a note and I will catch you on the next episode. Thanks.